Maybe I'm that guy that the Lord has put in your ear today and say, hey, it's time to pay attention. Take heed. Listen. Pay attention. This is a test. You would hope that when God says heed this, that whenever he does say that, that whatever it is he has for you, that you would listen, but you would pay attention. Not just hear it, but pay attention. And then from there, from paying attention to actually take action. like God is silent in our lives. We read the Bible and encounter a God who talks to the prophets, who has a physical voice, yet we've never heard it. It can make him feel distant and it makes us feel small and insignificant. As Pastor Mark explains in today's message, God is talking to us. If we're really listening, we will hear our Father speaking. It may never be a physical voice out of thin air, but he speaks to our hearts through the Spirit and Scripture, as well as our fellow Christians. If we quiet our own reason and all the distractions of this world before long, we'll be able to pick out the voice of our shepherd. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15 with today's edition of Come Alive. 1 Samuel chapter 15 is where we're picking up. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel and how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. If, if you know anything in the last couple of weeks about our study, that we've seen Saul and, and, and kind of going and doing his own thing and, and how Jonathan kind of took over a little bit and, and um, said, hey, you know, with the Lord, with many or few, the Lord can accomplish some great stuff. But Saul knows he has been walking on dangerous territory lately. He has to know this. And this is a word of warning here when we see this. So if you're taking notes, you can say this is a warning, a word of warning. And Samuel establishes something here that, that is, well, that he, that Samuel, Samuel is the one, when you, if you think about it, that God chose to anoint Saul. So Samuel anointed Saul. And it's kind of like here in this first verse where Samuel says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. It's kind of like as you as a parent, if you're a parent, asking a child before giving them an instructive word, am I your dad? Aren't I your dad? Your dad says. I mean, like my son doesn't need me to say, hey, you know what? Your dad is telling you this. He doesn't, he doesn't need to know that, but you say that just to kind of make a point with him, to let him know that you're the guy that's in charge, that you're the guy who the Lord has put in charge over his life. And so here that's what we see. Am I your dad? Samuel in as much in the same manner saying, am I not the one whom God chose to make you king over Israel? Am I not the one who anointed you? And the word heed here is please be attentive. Please pay attention, Saul. And so it's the same word I think for us is 
Well, as we sit in a church, as the Lord has allowed me to be the pastor of this church, and you choose to come, and if you call it your home church, then that would make me your pastor to say, hey, please be attentive to the Word of God. Pay attention. In your Bible, write this out next to the word heed. Write this. This is a test. Just write that. This is a test. Samuel's saying, I want you to really listen to this. And why is he telling Saul this is the question. Well, sometimes, again, when we sit under someone for a while, when we become so familiar, as you know, your children are very familiar with you, and it's one of those things that it goes like this. Let me just explain it in a little easier way. I used to be a snowboard instructor. And the reason a snowboard instructor has a job is because he can instruct people on how to snowboard, ski, skateboard, whatever it may be, right? And the reason a lot of times you see uh, parents who know how to ski or snowboard not instructing their own family is because, well, that family member is so familiar with that father or mom that it's real easy to argue and call them names as to why this isn't going to work. Whereas, and I used to see it all the time. We'd be out on the side of a mountain, and I'd have my little class, and they'd be making their little S-turns down the hill, and you'd see a mom or a dad just throwing a fit. I mean, it wasn't uncommon to see somebody picking up a ski and just banging it in the snow and screaming and yelling, and we'd go over real kindly and just send your class down and go wait for me down at the bottom of the hill, and I'd snowboard over and hand them a card and go, hey, my name's Mark. I give snowboard instruction. Oh, you wouldn't be able to teach these people anything. I promise. It's a lot better when you just send them away to an instructor than ruin your whole ski vacation. And so sometimes that happens. Uh, They aren't going to listen to you because they're very familiar with you. They're very comfortable with telling you, no, I don't have to, I don't want to, I don't like it, whatever. Yet when an instructor tells them what to do, and we used to just test our theory by having them hop up the hill watching how tired they get. If we had a rebellious person, we'd make them hop or walk up the hill in their skis in a duck walk and show that, yeah, you can walk uphill in your skis, and there's a certain way to do it. But what it did, it made them real tired so they would have to pay attention because we would say, well, it could be that hard all day, or you could do it our way, and it can be very easy. And in turn, they would do the very easy. Well, here's what Samuel is doing to Saul, saying, hey, you know what? I'm the guy God put over you. And so I'm the one that's in charge, and you need to listen. But Saul had gotten so familiar with Samuel that he doesn't pay a lot of attention. And just in the airport the other day, it was the same thing. I was walking down the aisle getting ready to go over to my gate, and I saw a little boy going, Mom, 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 Mom. And I remember I'm like sitting there, I was like, dude, I wish that lady would just answer the kid. But sometimes, you know, and as I sat down and I opened my Bible and I heard this and really started reading in this verse, it was like the Lord spoke and said, sometimes that's how you are with me. I'm constantly going, Mark, 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 Mark. And I just sit there and I hear, but I don't really stop and turn to look and say, okay, what? Uh, See, the lady never responded to her child. It's like she had earplugs in or she was deaf. And she knew he was talking She just didn't respond. And that can happen to us as well. That's happened to Saul. As it can happen to you and I, God is calling you over and over and you hear him, yet you just choose not to respond. How many of you have chosen this week not to respond? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of us have chosen not to respond to that call of God? 
And after a while, your ear go a little deaf to his calling. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, I don't hear from God. And I can't tell you how many phone calls I get when I hear that. It's like, I'm just not really hearing from God. I actually had somebody the other day even tell me, you know what, I'm not even being fed at the church I'm going to. And I was like, are you serious? Uh, what church do you go to? And the guy told me the name of the church. And so I said, hmm, I know that pastor. He actually does feed his flock. He does teach expositionally. So I asked the guy, I said, are you having quiet time? No. Well, you expect that poor guy just to feed you? You show up on Sunday and you wonder why you're hungry Monday through Saturday? And you don't have quiet time and we wonder sometimes why we don't hear from God? It's the same thing. And so, again, sometimes we choose not to respond. Maybe the Lord wakes you up in the morning early and you're like, well, why would I wake up this early? I don't have to be awake for another hour. And then, you know, I'm going to get ready for work. And then once I'm ready, I jump in the car and I drive and I listen to Christian programming. And that's what I call my quiet time. That's not quiet time. That's, that's not sitting intimately and focusing on the things that God has for you. And so sometimes we choose not to respond. Maybe the Lord wakes you up an hour early so he can have some time with you. Maybe. I don't know. If God's all-powerful, couldn't he wake you up? Well, you don't know me. I can sleep. But if you're awake and you're not normally awake, maybe it's time to listen and pay attention. And maybe I'm that guy that the Lord has put in your ear today and say, hey, it's time to pay attention. Take heed. Listen. Pay attention. This is a test. You would hope that when God says heed this, that whenever he does say that, that whatever it is he has for you, that you would listen, but you would pay attention. Not just hear it, but pay attention. And then from there, from paying attention, to actually take action. So God, through Samuel, says, pay attention. Pay attention, Saul. And now we move from pay attention and listen to what God has to say to verse 2 and 3. That is where we see some specific instruction for Saul. Take a look with me. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Let's stop there. Because some of us might have a real big problem with this God of love. How is this a God of love? How is it? Anybody ever tell you that? You're out there sharing your faith with someone, and you say, man, God is a God of love. And I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Man, Mark, I just want to minister the way Jesus ministers. I want to love the way Jesus loves. Okay, that's cool. That's all good when you hear it in a Bible study or somebody saying it or read it in a book. But here's, here's, here's the command. Here's this God of love telling Saul through Samuel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to utterly destroy Amalek. You and I are kind of like, all right, cool, it's a king. He can, he can destroy the king. And so there's no confusion. Let's make sure we wipe out everybody, the men, the women, the infants, the nursing children, and all the animals. And in our heads, we're thinking, well, this doesn't make sense. And the reason it doesn't is because culturally, we've been changed throughout the years, and, and we're going to talk about that. We're not going to avoid this. I'm not going to read this and go, oh, you know, this doesn't make me feel good, so we'll read over that real fast, and we'll come to the good parts. 
Well, we'll go to the love verses of the Bible. Because this is the same God, because does God change? No. So is this the same God yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. And so here's this verse here where he says, he wants nursing children? Well, what can a nursing baby do? Well, what possibly could a nursing baby do? Anybody ever been threatened by one of those? Huh? I mean, the worst that's ever happened was an exploding diaper. I didn't die. I wanted to, but I didn't. I mean, what's the worst that a nursing baby could do? When was the last time you seen a nursing baby crawl after you with his bottle, screaming, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm here to seek you out and destroy you. Maybe in some weird horror movie that you've seen, but we all know that those aren't real. And some of you may say, man, we're, we're cool with the heed and the do. We're cool with all that. When God tells us to pay attention and go do something, but you got to help me out with this bloodbath. This is one of those times, Mark, when, when God's really brutal and bloody. Well, stay with me. And on Wednesdays, we've discussed this pretty, pretty tightly on Wednesday nights. About 20 of us learned that what, what this was all about. So we're, we're going to do a quick review if anyone enjoys the right to decide or decree some type of destruction. That would be God, an all-powerful God, a God who is going to judge this earth at some point in time. A patient God. Oh, this doesn't seem like patience. Well, you got to understand, remember when they came out of Egypt, it's been a long time. God's been very patient with these people, with these idol worshipers. And so if anyone enjoys that right to decide or decree someone's destruction, isn't it God? I mean, couldn't we agree on that? And if God is described in Scripture as this perfect judge, in other words, God knows all and sees all and can peer into the deepest parts of your hearts, then does he not have the right as that perfect judge to say, it's time for these evil people to go? Uh, it, doesn't that make perfect sense? Well, you know, we, why couldn't we just love them into the kingdom? Well, as we read, we're going to see that this is a bad idea. And Saul has this, I just want to love like Jesus and minister like Jesus attitude. And again, there's nothing wrong with the attitude of doing that. But there's got to be a point in the time because the Jesus I read about in the book of Revelation, man, there's a point in time where that, that you don't want that kind of love. You want to get touchy-feely with Jesus? Uh, seriously, in the book of Revelation, he's, he comes back as a warrior, as a judge. He comes back to have a battle. They say the, that Megiddo area in Israel is, is almost like a bowl shape, and they think that it's going to be once that battle's done, there's going to be some deep amounts of blood that you would have to wade through it. And so sometimes, you know, the Bible says what it says. We don't avoid it here. We don't avoid portions of it or pieces of it. We don't want to take 60 years to go through the Bible because we're avoiding certain places. Or we're going to go through it. We're going to travel through it. And so, again, you know, Scripture tells us that God's that perfect judge. And so it's time for these evil people to go. Much in the same way as I said before, if your children were out there and there was a rabid dog hanging on to one of them, you would be a parent of love, right? You love your kids. How many of us don't love your children? Raise your hand. No hands went up. If you think about it, if there was a rabid dog out there hanging on to one of your kids, 
what would you do if that dog wouldn't turn loose? We, we would all kill it, right? You could be the biggest dog lover in town. And, and so I've had people, you know, and I've told them that little kind of analogy, you know, if a rabbit dog showed up and was trying to hurt your kids and you made a decision to destroy it, and someone might say, well, hey, bro, I, I know he can infect someone and ruin a life, but I just have this thing for rabid dogs, then I would say, okay, cool, you take him home. And people are always like, no, I don't want him. I don't want that rabid dog. I don't want that horrible thing in my house. Aren't you a dog lover, Mark? Yeah, I'm a dog lover. I can tell you, if one of my dogs bites my kids in a mean way, we say bye to the dog. And we don't send them away to a doggy camp. We just end its life. That's unfortunate for the dog, but that's just the way it goes. Because I love my kids more than I love my dog. I, I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a parent of love. So if something's going to harm our children, we can even take it one step further and say, if some weird pervert were out there trying to get your kids into the car and they were hanging on to your kids and they were holding on to your children trying to take them and hurt them and abuse them in in such a horrible way, what would you do? Wouldn't you? You probably would fight to the death for your children to save them. And, and for me to go, well, God, that guy's full of hatred, man. I mean, he, the, the guy was just doing what was natural to him. He's got that, I mean, he's got the gene of perversion, of sodomy, of a child. I mean, can we blame? It's a disease. He's sick. I can't believe that dad was trying to hurt that poor man to save his child. Man, we'd all be like, are you crazy? We love our children. God loves his children. So much so that he's not going to let anything hurt them. And so we see this happen here. We can sin if we object like Saul. We can sin if we object like Saul to God's decision. Deuteronomy 25, 17 declares that the Amalekites attacked Israel from behind when they were tired and weary. Who, you know, when, when you take two million people and you march across a place, guess who's in the back? Women, children, old people, people with a limp. Crippled people, those who can't march up front, the unhealthy, the weak, are in the back. The Amalekites attacked from the back. They attacked the the weakest, the youngest. Well, Mark, the Bible, you know, the Bible is an eye for an eye. Yeah, it says that in the Bible, an eye for an eye. Be careful. So when they were tired and weary, they were attacked. And this has been going on for a while between God and the Amalekites. A long time. Think about this. All the elderly, all the young, all the handicapped were in the back. And who did he attack? The weak. And though God did not act quickly, think about that. What if the children of Israel, what kind of God are you? You didn't act that quick. You didn't protect us. I mean, it's kind of a tough job being God. You got it coming from both ends. Why are you killing us? Well, because you killed them. Well, why'd you do that? Why'd you allow that? He's got a rough job, but he's still God. Though God didn't act quickly, we learn about his patience in the book of Malachi. He waited a long time, and God still continues to wait a long time to judge this world of evil. But there will be a time when God says he's going to judge them, and years later, he kept his word. And today, what we read here. Is his word being kept. Though the wheels of judgment turn slowly, they do turn. Let me say that. Though the wheels of judgment turn slowly, they do turn. And you might think, oh, I got away with something. Don't think that. Oh, well, I'm a Christian. He's not going to wipe me out. But again, remember, what you sow, you will reap. 
And, and you don't always reap in the same season. You don't plant watermelons today and tonight get watermelons. It, it takes a little while for them to grow. It has to be watered. And so you will reap what you sow. And so God has determined that he has to judge and needs to judge. Because if we say, well, God's not a fair God. Well, he is. He's fair. That's what fair is. When you think about the definition, you do something wrong, you're judged for the wrong. You pay the consequence. It's unfair for us when Jesus paid that penalty for us. Now, if the Amalekites don't want to do this, all they have to do is raise their hand and walk over to the camp and say, we surrender, we're your servants, and they get to live. But here, God says it's too late. There's a point in a time, there's a, there comes a point in a time, a place in a time when it's too late for repentance, for them to turn the other way. And we see this here in the Old Testament. And so if God didn't wipe them out, they will continue to wipe out others. They will continue to wipe out others. You might think, yeah, but this sounds very severe. But isn't God, isn't it God who determines when and how we shall die? Isn't it him who determines that? And if God did not wipe them out, they will continue to wipe out others. It really isn't a matter of compassion. It's a matter of preserving the right. And we say it all the time. It goes back to just like in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where Jesus is sitting there and all those people are coming for healing. They fill up Peter's front lawn and they're all being healed. And it comes nighttime and he's like, hey man, we're shutting down, we're going to bed. And early the next morning, Jesus rises and he goes out and they can't find him. And all the people show back up in the front yard and the disciples are looking for Jesus. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? We lost Jesus. We lost Jesus. Where's he at? And it says he was praying. And so they finally find him. And they're really kind of freaked out that they couldn't find him. I mean, they're scared, kind of the way a parent would be afraid if they lost their kid in the mall for a long period of time. And so they're freaking out. They can't find him. They finally find Jesus. Like, oh, man, dude, all the people are back for healing. And he says, let's go. We got other towns to go to. Or we got to go preach the gospel. It, It wasn't about healing people. And it wasn't about compassion. It was about saving the lost. This morning in the leadership, we looked at John 20, 21, where it says, as I send, as my father has sent me, I send you. Send, your father sent you. What does father send him to do? Well, to go on a fishing trip. It was like the show, The Deadliest Catch, right? Jesus goes out on this, this dangerous fishing trip, and guess what happens to Jesus? He dies. But he says, as my father has sent me to do what? What was Jesus sent to do? To save souls. He sends you. And what do we do? Do we go? Have we been sent? Yeah, we've been sent. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their Creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. 
If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive. Come Alive.